0: If you only have 24 hours in a day your success is dependent upon how you use the 24 you got to hear me people talk about Oprah Winfrey you know Ted Turner Warren Buffett listen to me I don't care how much money you make you only get 24 hours in a day and the difference between Oprah and the person that's broke is Oprah uses her 24 hours wisely That's it. Listen to me. That's it. You get 24. I don't care if you broke. You grew up broke. I don't care if you grew up rich. I don't care if you're in college. You're not in college. You only get 24 hours. And I blew up literally. I went from being a high school dropout to selling 6,000 books in less than six months. What happened? My 24 hours. I was like, okay, Eric, you got to get a grip on your 24 hours because you're about to be broke for the rest of your life. And that's all I need you to do for me. I can tell you all about your life if you just write down your 24-hour schedule for me and you let me look at it. I can tell you where you're going to be in five years. I can tell you where you're going to be in 10 years. I can tell you where you're going to be in 20 years if you keep that schedule. You want them rolling out the the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet want them rolling out the red carpet the red carpet the red carpet no want the finer things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the widest scheme. but at what cost to realize your dreams, been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on still more my might bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor, bottom is where I started, but i get to the top and park it, bug up in a harlot. my battery needs charging, and not reach my target is the illest in the market, is some liquid from my arteries.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to LiveMond Mysteries presents Gratitude Unfiltered. Uh, right now we are just live on the LiveMond Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network because I guess we have been suspended from other platforms. <laughs> it's a good thing I have my own network. Gemini Christmas, uh, you gotta love censorship. I don't know what the heck is going on. You talk about Jesus too much and they shut you down, but whatever. Anyway. I am so grateful that you are all here, whether you're watching on the replay, you're listening on the podcast, you're listening on radio.com, you're listening on audible, you're listening wherever you're listening from, God bless you, thank you for being here. We are in for a treat today because I get to bring a very special friend onto the program, um, Mary Wong, did I say it right? Gosh, I hope I said it right, Wong, yeah, Mary Wong. Anyway, she is an amazing, amazing human being, Uh, that I've been blessed to know for a few years, but this is the first time I get to interview her, and I could not be more excited. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Mary Wong. I said it right. What's up? Did I say it right? You said it right. right.
2: You said it right. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah.
1: This is long overdue. Um, I am so grateful that you're here. This is, um, for me, means a lot because you're somebody that I truly, truly admire and look up to. And then one day, you just disappeared. And I'm like, where'd Mary go? And then months later, you resurface like a brand new person. So before we get into that, (laughs) first things first, what are you grateful for today?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to know that I have a relationship with God, if you got kicked off any platforms for talking about Jesus, we're gonna get taboo and talk about God because (laughs) why is it taboo? Why is it taboo to know who we belong to and why we're on the planet? If that's the way for us to understand how to fulfill our destiny, like seriously, maybe that's the reason why that people don't wanna talk about it because it's too powerful. But we're gonna shatter that, you are shattering that because without (laughs) that, how can we truly change the world? And we're here to do that. (laughs) So, well, to I'm me, I'm grateful it, for
1: that. Yeah, I, I love that. And to me, a relationship with God, our Creator, is a relationship with truth. And right now, what the world has a problem with is truth. There's a, so much disinformation out there. From you can't even like, if you you can't even blame a political party. You can't you you everywhere you go, there's disinformation, and we're all kind of guilty about it as a as a whole. I'm not saying everyone but as a majority of our the global citizens we're all kind of guilty of this because we don't even know what's true anymore right because of where we're getting our information from so our relationship as a society with truth is broken mm-hmm. and therefore in the process of relationship with god is i can't but it's hurting what do you say to that
2: i say that we have to learn how to have that relationship because having a relationship with the ultimate creator call it what you want i call it god Mm -hmm. the most high god having Mm -hmm. that relationship of knowing who you are this infinite creator created us we're an extension this is no doubt because if there's no spirit in the human temple what happens to the body it dies so we cannot deny that we are not a spiritual being so we have to merge the spiritual with the physical being here on this planet in order to hear what it is the divine is saying to us about our presence on the planet and what we're here to do. So truth is an issue, like you said. How do we know the truth? We've gotta learn how to discern the voice of God talking to us because it could be other things that are whispering in our ears. We have to know what are we listening to. And so you start by having that daily practice of going within and tapping into the God self within. Gotta have that relationship or, or it's a sinking ship.
1: How do you discern uh, which voice is which? Because some of us have a lot of voices in our head yeah. And the majority yeah. of them aren't good. How do you right. discern between what is spirit and what is something else?
2: I'll tell you, if it's something else, it's usually a really negative, nasty voice that's telling you, and I've had to overcome this, you're not good enough. You. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. No, you're never going to be able to do that. Those kind of voices, you can absolutely believe that is not the most high God. Because the creator did not create you in fear. It did not create you to to not fulfill your destiny. You were created for a reason, for a purpose, for a a reason to fulfill. So the voice that we're listening for is encouragement. It's always been there. It will always be there. But you got to learn how to turn up the volume. It's the voice that goes from, I used to have that nasty voice. That's why I know it. Like, oh, you can't do that. You're just a woman. Who do you think you are? But now one day it flipped because of the continuous daily devotion to this work. Now the voice says, I am so proud of you. I'm not joking. Now I'm like, wow, I have the best voice in my head. I'm so proud of you, Mary. Like keep going. This is great. You're helping so many people. And that's what we want to go for. It's a journey. To process but have that relationship with the divine and you can have it everybody's born with it
1: so you disappeared from social media for a while yeah what was that all about
2: Who yeah you know I've only just started coming out in the last few months and I had to really give myself permission to disappear because I felt like I was like amping up. I have been devoting my whole life to becoming this person that I wanted to be. And I was living like, I felt like I was in the peak of my career of my life. I checked off all the boxes, perfect marriage, perfect children, all these different businesses speaking. Okay. Helping people around the world. I was so grateful. And then all of a sudden (laughs) the rug got pulled out from under me. I, didn't realize. Now, this is a thing we're going to get into today. How can someone be in a toxic, abusive relationship and not even know it? Does that sound crazy? How can you not even know it?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. We can have this conversation. Uh,
2: Yeah. 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 It's an important one, because how can I, a 10-year-plus empowerment coach, transformational healer on a soul level, a spiritual level, a a subconscious level on all these levels still have to go through this graduation process of leaving a divorce, uh, leaving an abusive marriage. And I call it a graduation because the mechanism (laughs) behind it is something that I'm an advocate now to educate people on. Mm. I've always been a healer, but now I get to have turned this really dramatic, painful, heart-shattering, heartbreaking experience where I literally disappeared from the face of the earth for a year and a half in order to go through the cocoon of transformation Mm -hmm. to come out. And I had to trust the process because the voice was, well, you know, all your followers, they're looking for you. They're reaching out. They need you. You're letting them down. Or all oh, the progress you've made, made—you're now you're a failure. I had to let it all go and trust in the voice that was leading me and guiding me and saying, it's okay. I'm taking you there. I'm taking you there.
1: Wow. Yeah. What was, in that year and a half off, what was probably the biggest thing that you learned that shocked you a little bit?
2: Mm, Yeah. It's right here, man. It's right here. I am a teacher of the topic that our childhood informs our adulthood. The programs and the blueprints that are ancestral lineage, our familial expectations, our media and culture, all of that, and your gender programming, all of that, I know, I knew, and I taught it, and I lived it. And still, there was more I had to go back to. And this is the piece that shocked me the most, is that as a child who had sexual abuse,
0: Mm. that
2: I didn't realize that subconsciously rejected God. Now, I loved God as a little girl. I would lean into the mirror until it got all foggy because I was so close, breathing into it, looking into my eyes, talking to God all day long. I loved God. And we were raised Christian. But when that atrocious activity started to happen, I thought, well, God either forgot about me or God didn't love me or God thought, I don't know what God thought, but I thought, Mm -hmm. hey, if you don't want me, I don't want you either. So I subconsciously rejected God. And what happened with the rest of my life until this graduation from the divorce was cycles of abuse, whether Mm -hmm. it be friendships, bosses, clients, relationships, Yeah. until you know, it's all connected, right? Because when we walk with God, understanding who we are, a child of God, we're protected. We, these things don't come up like this. They're different. And because of not having God in my life and I rejected it, I had to go outside the garden and, and learn for myself that like, oh, I'm, I'm powerful. I'm doing this by myself. I came to the peak of my career all by myself. No, no, you didn't. And so all of that abusive cycles that I didn't understand, I had a victim mentality still in my subconscious mind due to a child receiving abuse and being a victim, having that program of victimhood Mm -hmm. still embedded. I had to go through until it was so big in my face, till it shattered the blueprint and said, oh my God, I still have a victim mentality, and then go on the healing journey and letting God be the one who built me back brick by brick.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Man, our childhoods, it's amazing if the, the challenge that it is to heal childhood trauma, not so much from the childhood trauma, But a lot of people don't start the healing journey until so much later. Like it takes a while to identify it. But then the trauma that you're really trying to heal from is the self imposed self inflicted trauma and getting over that seems to be harder or more challenging or a bigger climb than what happens to us as kids. Like, where do we go? How do we stop this? Because it seems to be getting worse. like the the situation that we have with, you know, there's more and more broken homes. I mean, I've been part of breaking up a lot of homes. Um, so like I'm not anyone to judge. Like I grew up in a broken home, but I know that I all caught. and when you have that broken home, it changes the dynamics of the relationships. Um, Of everyone moving forward, but the kids tend to be the ones that become the victim for that time. But there's more and more victims being created every day.
2: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: how do we stop this?
2: Yeah. How do we stop this? I have two young children. They're five and eight. So this is very much at the forefront of my mind. And even before I made the difficult decision to flee with my two young girls, is that the turning point came when my four-year-old at the time was like, mommy, are you okay? You know, I don't like, you know, X, Y, and Z. And Mm -hmm. that stopped me in my tracks and said, oh my God, I'm repeating the pattern of my parents' marriage my brother and I were raised by two narcissists and one of them being majorly depressed. So you can imagine the level of manipulation, abuse of all types um, were just atrocious and no child deserves that. So when I found myself fast forward to having two children and them coming to my side and asking me if I was okay, it reminded me that it was not my job to save my parents. And it was certainly not my children's job to save us. So while before coming to this climax in my relationship, I never wanted to have a divorce. No parent does, especially when you have children. Um, We understand that having that solid foundation is so important, the two-parent family. But I say no to that structure if it's unhealthy, if it cannot improve, if it is toxic and abusive. I say no, because for two young girls who one day will become women, I have to break the, tra- um, the traditions of what it means to be a woman, a tradition of what it means to be a wife, a mother, i was groomed for this i was groomed to be quiet to be the force behind the man that lifts the man up to success and stay behind and just do what it is at the home front it's not just even though i said that because it's viewed Mm -hmm. as just you're the just the mother you're just the wife you're just cooking you're just healing everyone but that job is so huge and it allows the man to go forth and succeed but then We have to have partnership. It cannot be power over. It cannot be, I do not respect the person because now they're in this other position that's perceived as lesser than. It has to be, I appreciate this. I am so grateful that we have this partnership that allows both of us as the four of us or the family unit to excel and ascend. And when it cannot happen, then we have to change the shape of the family. And still go on a journey to see how can we have a positive relationship as a unit in a different form.
1: I love that. I that is so powerful. Uh I'll I'll never forget growing up praying to God. Like, God, please, like break my parents up, please, please make this stop. Over and over, begging God <laughs> to, to make them split. And then they finally did. That wasn't what I expected like it ended up being the best thing but it was still pretty rough but I gotta say I have so much admiration for my mother for all that she did to play to be both parents my dad was a but I didn't have a good relationship with my father my father was abusive and I hated my dad uh, growing up I mean I've forgiven him and I love him and I honestly I'm so grateful for that relationship now, which is so weird to say, considering how much I hated him. But that was the best thing that happened. But it sure does put an extra, it seems like the responsibility for a parent becomes, there's a greater emphasis on being, it's almost like growing another limb, is what now you have to do as a single parent. and that, And that brings its own challenges. How have your kids responded to the changes, and what have you noticed about the change in your relationship with them?
2: Mm, That's a great question, and I can tell from what you're saying right now that I'm going to have questions for you too about your experience. And yeah, you ask me (laughs) anything. Yeah, I mean, we could have a really great and deep conversation to really dissect the mechanism behind how does one become that puzzle piece, whether it's the the abuser or the abusee, and how do we have self-responsibility and self-awareness for whichever piece we ended up in, right? Um, But for my children, it was very difficult. I had to break their heart because we fled. Mm. So it wasn't, I I didn't have a chance to give them a heads up. Nobody had a heads up. It was me. And that was the hardest. What's that?
1: It's like a death.
2: It is a death. It is a death even without that kind of like lack of transition. It is a transition. It just wasn't like the most ideal. Um, Mm -hmm. But no person would choose that unless they felt they had to for safety reasons. And look, I don't want to vilify anyone. I do want to eventually bring this conversation back to self-awareness and self-responsibility, right? Because he's my teacher and we will someday have this like positive co-parenting in due time, and um, but right now in the healing process, there needs to be that boundary to honor myself because I didn't honor myself my whole lifetime because of my childhood. So in Mm -hmm. order to be fully in my power, be there for my clients, be there for my children first and foremost, with that boundary, I can have that. And then I can expand out and include others who are more difficult to be with, including my parents who are toxic. To me, <laughs> still, but to my children, I had to break their hearts. I took them to a restaurant, which I knew I chose one that they didn't like to begin with, because I knew, so you know, I'm my mastery. One of my masteries is with the the mental mental health and how the brain processes information and memory. So I knew whatever restaurant I took them to to break the news to them, they would hate that restaurant and would never want to go there again. That's and that's genius. exactly. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Oh my <laughs> and God. my oldest one was seven. What's that?
1: I said, kids were going to Lubies. Do you remember Lubies?
2: No, it's a
1: cafeteria, cafeteria that you go. You know, back when cafeterias were a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, we went there. Used to go there after church on Sundays, and I hated that.
2: Place. <laughs> so go take, totally your <laughs> take your kids there. Take your kids there. so, oh my gosh, it was a journey. It was a journey. Thank goodness. You know, I have the tools. I wrote the empowered child, you know, before this ever happened. So uh, thank goodness. I had the tools of conscious parenting of self-empowerment so that I could heal myself, lean on my network of healers so that I was consistently doing my internal work so that I was able to be present, to hold the space for my children, right? We have to see ourselves as coaches for our children, guides um, through life. And in these challenging times, whether it's 2020's difficulty and continuing into today or a divorce or anything else, we have to be able to hold the space to hear them, see them, and acknowledge them, allow them to have those negative emotions and outbursts and giving them ways to handle it. Okay, so go to the room, punch the pillow, scream into the bed, do it. But you cannot take it out on me because it hurts me. Having the boundary. So we're modeling, embodying and teaching what I didn't have as a child. So we wanna look at our childhood and see how we were parented, take the parts that are great and then improve on the ones that are harmful and give them other options. Give ourselves other options
1: that that is so good and you know and i've realized and i don't know i'm curious what you think about this every time i think i'm healed i realize i find out that i have more healing to do <laughs> in this incredible journey um but that said as i heal i notice that i'm getting a glimpse because normally i see things in the future, right? I see years ahead of things, which for a long time was really confusing because I thought if I, what I saw was going to happen like tomorrow, and then mm-hmm. come to find out, it's like a two-year rule. Right. So, but, <laughs> but what I started to notice, because for the longest time in my night terrors, I would recreate, and I still have them as adults, I mean, they've just changed. But I will see and feel and experience things from the past. But the one thing that I've noticed are as I heal a certain events in my life, the certain traumas, what happens is I start to now see the events that took place before the trauma happened. I don't know what that's about. I've never heard anyone discuss this, but this is my reality lately. Over the last year, this is what I've experienced. Do you know anything about that?
2: Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean? Like, so there's the trauma incident, and then you're seeing things now beforehand.
1: Okay. So the trauma, like it used to give me the night terrors. It's, and then now that same trauma, what I'm starting at, if I, once I healed it, God is revealing the events that took place before all I could focus on was the trauma like what had happened this is what I'm recreating in my dreams this is what night terrors are after I heal them yeah I get the visions of what happened before allowing me to reframe how I'm looking Mm. at trauma Perfect. because a lot of the things that had happened I'm starting to go well yeah it was traumatic yeah it was really kind of screwed up but I was able to kind of see my role in it a little bit Mm. in my I was an innocent child but some of my behaviors ahead of time maybe not have been that innocent Mm. and I don't understand that like I don't know what that's from I don't know if, like how that factors into our mind and trauma and healing but I literally have never heard anyone else talk about this in my entire life but I'm experiencing it and so I was the, curious if you knew anything about that
2: the way that I'm taking that right now is that through your healing journeys and healing specific events mm-hmm. that you're integrating yourself right because what happens as a child, to anyone, but especially we're talking about childhood traumas. Mm. Children don't have the full scope of framing what's happening. We have a limited understanding of how the adults are living this world. And so whatever happens, number one, we're making up our own meaning. Number two, when you're (laughs) healing and you're integrating these different parts of yourself into wholeness, now you're connecting all your storylines. But as a child who's going through trauma, what happens is, Parts of ourselves shatter. I like to teach it like it's like a glass that shatters into a million pieces. And mm. it gets stuck out in the timeline, in history, reliving that piece again and again, that trauma again and again, until we go back on these recon missions that you can go on and retrieve that part of yourself away from that loop that keeps playing again and again. And that's what the dreams are, is replaying that loop again and again. But why is it doing that? It's doing that as a signpost, as a flag, as saying, hey, alert, alert. Recon mission needed over here. And so then we need to go, that's how I teach it. We gotta find someone like me, or there's a lot of healers out there who know how to do this, to go back time and again and retrieve all those parts of us. Because look, if we had traumatic childhoods, that's 365 days times how many years. Until we finally got to the place of adulthood, like you said earlier, where we kept allowing ourselves to repeat these traumas in different ways, right? So there's like so much we need to go back and heal and retrieve, but don't let that overwhelm you because when we get to the root of the issue and we really get those root parts back, everything starts to fall into place rapidly. It's very rapid how you can do this.
1: Do you know what I want? I'm gonna be. Um, I'm so sick of my personality switches. Like I'm done with it, and I don't know how to make it go away. So my trauma, self in, self inflicted, and a childhood that I wasn't inflicted or that I didn't ask for. Right. I developed DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. And every time I think I've gotten on the other side of it, something happens, and I revert back, or I'll switch characters, or switch people. And I have different things that trigger those events. But again, every time I think I'm healed, like something will creep up, I am tired of it. Because one of the characters that I switch to is one I can't control. I can control the others but I don't know how to get rid of it and it's the freaky, it drives me nuts. Like it affects everything I do. And, and I know I have the mind of Christ. I know I'm a new creation. I know I'm not the same guy that I used to be. And I was all of the things your ex-husband is, but worse. Like I, I don't even know that all, everything that happened, I don't need to know. I know I was a demon seed or the thing controlling it was a demon. Yeah. But I am to this day still terrified of switching to that other thing because that's been the thing that has wrecked every time I start over to climb the mountain over again. I mean I've learned to now let my mistakes and fall forward instead of falling back and you know having to start over or start over, start over again. But that I'm like terrified of that switch. And like I had an incident last last night, woke up in the middle of the night. And saw something that almost like I've been fighting the switch all day. Like I'm terrified of it. And because of that, it's like I've shut down from a the spirit inside of me. It's like everything has just been like whoa, compacted with cement so that I don't switch.
2: What's that experience? <clears throat> What's that experience like internally? Like it describe that to me. <sighs>
1: Well, the one that like today, it starts with, so my spirit, so I'm normally a very lively spirited guy. So I imagine like a ball of energy, like (laughs) when this thing comes around, it's like a weighted blanket just puts on top of it and it's weighs it down and wants to choke it out so that the other entity can take over the other entity is like on my shoulders in a way not in me but it wants in and it's like waiting for me to invite it in but the wrestling the wrestling match is basically think of a kidnapper putting a weighted blanket over you so it's like putting the putting the cover over my spirit weighing it down trying to choke it out so the other entity will come and take over that's exactly where it's at today right now, in this moment, as we speak. That's what's going on.
2: Got it. Got it. You know
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's uncomfortable to say the least. But I have to talk about it. Like I don't hide it. Like it's you know, I speak about this stuff publicly and typically I am able to, you know, make it go away, but I get sneak attacked (laughs) sometimes and it gets it gets tough. So
2: You know what this speaks to me very loudly as is when someone has a huge assignment from the most high, Mm. what happens? Satan's assignment comes on full force to push you down because why? Because you are here as the representative of the most high. And I know that you are because of the work that you do. And so the brighter your light is and the wider your reach of why you're on the planet and why you chose to come to the planet is really what the battle is, is that spiritual warfare is what you're describing. And so I love Archbishop Duncan Williams. If you haven't checked him out, find him on YouTube and you will find so much strength in the way that he prays on how to do this. He When people have drugs
1: again, Duncan what?
2: Williams. Archbishop Duncan Williams. Okay. Yeah. And he tells a story about how when he works with people who have major drug addiction, he doesn't talk to them about you need to. You need to you know, do this and do that to quit the drugs. Like He doesn't talk logic. He just goes straight into spiritual warfare and prays over them to get the demon off. Yeah. So I know this is taboo, but you know what? I'm all about this remade Mary that disappeared for a year and a half and came back. Let's talk about the taboo stuff because this is what's going to change the world. And what you're telling me is this – energy that is trying to hold you down to let an entity that you know you don't want because your spirit is telling you, this could not be more clear to me what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Does it resonate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think um, prayer, intense prayer and calling on Jesus to cover over you and using the the name of Jesus to to, um, command, command Satan's assignment to be broken to pieces and cast it out. That's, that's what it is.
1: Taking authority.
2: Taking authority and sovereignty over your being. Mm. I love that. I'm sure there's so much more as far as, you know, from a psychologist, psychiatrist perspective, right? Every perspective has something to offer and that's for sure.
1: Yeah, but they don't believe. So I've had this conversation with psychiatrists. And they don't it's interesting, they don't believe in the spiritual realms because they want to take everything to science. Right. But you know, the spiritual realm is pretty scientific if you ask me. But I I remember talking, I went to a therapist, I got I got frustrated. I was like, screw this. I you're you clearly don't see this as they, these are demons. Like this is not mental. I'm not saying it's mental illness. I'm not this is this is a spiritual issue. This is not a medication issue. Like the medication you're going to give me is going to make this worse. This is why I quit seeing a therapist so many years ago. And that's why I quit taking all the medications they gave me because it honestly, like it made me want to use drugs more because I didn't like the way I felt. Like it robbed me of who I am. And so I had enough of that. But, you know, I know it's a spiritual attack. I just, man, every time I think I get it and you're right, it is about taking authority. And I don't know what it is because I talk about taking your authority all the time. And for the most part, I'm good at it. But there's other times I feel like my tongue has been cut off. Mm. You know what I mean? That's keeping Mm. me from doing it. Like you remember, I think the last time I saw you in person, I had just married somebody I didn't know. And one of the experiences that we had, and it scared the crap out of her because I hadn't really, I hadn't identified what was going on yet but she got to experience the switch and she got to see the demon. She also got to see how the demons attack in real time where I couldn't talk for two days. I had a, a blanket over my head, like trying to make it go away. And I knew all I had to say were the words like Re- you release or move. I, and I have the mind of Christ. You can't, you have no authority here. And like, I knew to say those things, but it was like my tongue had been cut off Mm. and it wasn't until maybe another 24 hours that I heard talk about it. Like this is kind of, this is what I told you to do. This is why you have gratitude unfiltered. You're going to talk about it. Mm. And so I put the spotlight back on my shadow world and talked about it in real time as these menacing suicidal visions were coming to me and a nightmare, but I don't know what it is that was keeping me. And I guess it's, it's pretty obvious. It was the enemy trying to cut my tongue to keep me from speaking and taking my authority, but it's an interesting thing when we know in our brain, this is what we're supposed to do, yet we don't do it. Why is that? Do you have an answer for that? I don't even know if that's a fair question to ask somebody.
2: I think that, you know, every morning having a practice, which I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. But if your attacks are coming on stronger, then we need to amp it up and you're going to love Archbishop. I let me know, you know, afterwards.
1: I've got him on my computer now.
2: Oh cool. Let me know later how you feel about him yeah. and if it's helping you. But having that morning practice every day, having a prayer room or like a war room, whether it's virtual or real. Just every day knowing that you have to put on the armor of God from head to toe, from head to toe every single day, not some days, because the days that, oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I'm too busy. You better believe I saw the enemy like (laughs) right there. And I'm like, darn it. I knew it. So this is not something when we're playing at this level of service to humanity, right? It really is correlated. The level of attack is correlated to the level of service you're providing to humanity. And you're obviously playing on a global humanity level, right? Yeah. 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 It's a global
1: mission. It's absolutely a global mission.
2: Right. And what we're doing, I think we're aligned in a lot of ways, as far as our missions, I'm here to rewrite the human storyline from oppression to freedom. And when we're talking an abuse, you've been abused, I've been abused, that's oppression. So that's so much of the human storyline. Nobody really goes in touch because we know someone in our family who has gone through something somewhere. So we need to rewrite that. And in order to do it, we have to go through the healing. And that's what's going on. And so because your impact is so big and so much bigger before your body transitions, this is why the attack is so big. And so each morning having that like devout time and amping it up as we elevate, right? Every time we elevate to more uh, visibility or more impact, whether it's through the projects, businesses or whatnot, we're Mm -hmm. elevating in our reach. So we've got to elevate our protection every single time. So God put on that armor of God every morning, every morning. Yeah,
1: Man, that's good. What has been the biggest for you like taking that year and a half off and now coming back into the world. And the world is different when you left, you know? And now that you're back, we we're looking at a whole new well, like we've gone in, we've kind of stepped into the beginnings of a new world. Yeah. What has given you the most hope in in coming into this new world?
2: Yeah. The thing that's given me the most hope is a few things is the children. And that's why my work is so much about reaching women to help them heal their own traumatic history mm. so that they can be capable to raise the next generation of empowered children. So it's two parts. That's why I'm, I'm really here taking a stand for women healing from toxic relationships yeah. because they have to be the one in their lineage to break the cycle for the new world to come in. And the hope that I have now is that so many of us healers have been wielding our mastery and sharpening our tools and our skills for just a time as this. (laughs) We all knew this time was coming. I know I saw this, two, three years ago. I didn't know it was a pandemic. I just knew that the breakdown of the world was arriving. I had no idea how it would look. So I still had the element of surprise. But when it came, I was like, oh, here it is. I didn't know that it would come this soon. But the beauty is linking up with all the people on the forefront who've been sharpening their tools in order to serve humanity. That's what gives me so much hope because 2020 was all about kicking up the dust of what was in the shadow side of humanity. All the things that we didn't want to see about ourselves, each other, all the atrocities that have been happening in the world, whether it's corporations or institutions or whatnot, from micro in your own family to macro in governments, everything's just being unveiled and more unveiling will come. More true. there's so, yeah, more truth. It's, it's inevitable. This is the era, this is the age that we're in. And so PTSD <laughs> has touched probably everyone on planet Earth in 2020. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say for some, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, nobody went untouched, young or old, and in between. And so we now, as the people who are having a platform, having the tools, having the specialties, get to be there to hold the space. We still have our own work to do, but yeah. the, the masses really need us. And we're prepared and we're positioned and we're poised now to really do that work. And that's why the year and a half of, of silence from me was God telling me, I'm taking you to your destiny. You just wait. Just trust me. I'm taking you there.
1: that's good hold Mm -hmm. on really quick we're gonna we need to take a quick commercial break we'll be right back Speaking of children, that is my my wife and I's greatest passion is voices for the voiceless. So I love that. it's you know having the a platform to speak and to share things like this that are so brutally uncomfortable. I just know it to be the only way. Um, I am so grateful to know that I can share things and without fear because I mean look I know people are going to judge no matter what and and I know that especially being a Christian and a, a an evangelist of sorts that you know there's a there's a target on my back and of course I put one on there too especially with the things that I speak about but here's the thing I talk about these things, I share about it, as weird as it may be and as uncomfortable it may be for some of the audience, it's because I know that there's people suffering in silence. I was that person suffering in silence, and I silent I will be no more. And I really believe that, I think we opened up the show talking about relationship with the truth. I learned to lie as a kid. I learned to lie, to hide. and because we had to pretend that everything was okay in our family dynamic. We had to pretend I had to keep silent about what was happening to me because I was worried about what would happen if I opened my mouth because I didn't like what happened before. And so I believe with everything in me that creating a safe place for kids to talk and to share their truth because I believe if the kids feel safe, they're gonna share their truth. They're gonna live their truth. And so that's what Voices for the Voiceless is all about. It's about getting to kids early, and but at the same time, especially for inner-city kids that may not have the money for education, um, having a platform and having something that they can go learn all the skills that are necessary for the new world. So that's what Voices for the Voiceless is. So there's a Amazing. psychological part of it. Um, there's a career part of it, and then of course it's just our passion because, you know, moving forward, I think everything. Uh, everything that we're doing is starting to morph together. Social media and TV are the same thing now. Yeah. You know, transportation is going to look different. Like, we're going to have boats, planes, helicopters, and cars all morphing into one vehicle soon. Like, that's the new world that we're moving into. That's technology. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. But let me ask you this because so much of what you've talked about is connection to God and connection to our the highest version of ourself and what we were created to be, aligning with our manufacturer, our creator, the one that designed our lives for us or the life that we get to live. Mm. How does technology with all of these advances, how do we we stay in higher self being what we were created to be, but then adjusting to technology and its (laughs) advance?
2: That's a great question because you know, with the advances of AI and connecting the brain to a machine, I mean, these gaps are closing and it used to really scare me. Um, (laughs) It's something to pay attention to. And I think what makes us different is our spirituality, is our spirit, is how can we compete with AI if they're taking away jobs? It's that the soft skills, the emotional intelligence, Um, The part Mm -hmm. that only the divine can give us the spark to. So that's how we're going to remain different. And then keeping that question at your forefront and using technology as our tool, because that's the challenge of having children and being super aware of how do I raise my kids to be conscious about Mm -hmm. what they're consuming and to to not be consumed by Mm -hmm. technology but instead to use it as a tool. And that's something that adults, children, parents, we're all really facing this. That's why I think it's such an important question.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because it's part of prophecy that we merge with machine. It's in Daniel's prophecy. Um, and you were talking about seeing what was going to happen, like the time that we're in now before it happened. I, I was so prepared for what happened and, and I'm so grateful for it because I didn't look at it. I got excited. Like I saw the world cut down. I go, Oh, it's time. Like now, like all of a sudden my soul's purpose woke up and go, this is why you were born. dude. Yep.
2: This, yep. This is
1: why you were getting those visions as a kid that didn't make sense at the time. This is why it's been, it's fascinating, but it is a slippery slope because we, if we fall too much into the technology, then it consumes us and it robs us of our spirit. Yeah, you know, it becomes a god, it becomes something we idolize, but at the same time, we can use it for good too. And it's and 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 I looking at this and looking at um, it's funny that you mentioned about neural, you didn't say Neuralink specifically, but that's one of the things I think that's what you were referring to yes. about the, the web mesh. I actually, um, sent my resume to them because <laughs> I wanted to be, I wanted, I want to get in on that. I want to know, I want to understand it. So I was like, what the heck they were looking for people. So I was like, all right, I'll do this, <laughs> but I'm that fascinated with it. But at the same time, I'm going, okay, but is this denying God? If I do this, is this me trying to become God? If I do this? It's a really interesting slope Mm -hmm. to like as a believer, you know, because then you start going against Bible prophecy, Mark of the Beast, all this stuff. But it's like, is this it or is this my interpretation? Am I now a conspiracy theorist? Like, where is the balance of all of this? And that's with technology is. The thing I think we lose is balance. Yeah.
2: Because
1: it's, it's freaking digital cocaine.
2: It's digital like,
1: what? Digital cocaine.
2: Oh, total, total.
1: Like, so it's very interesting. And then, then how do kids adapt? So as a parent, like how are you monitoring technology in the home? It's not become this thing where it's basically becomes the parent. And I know you're a good mother, so I'm not saying that. But you can let technology kind of – Take over babysitting duties for kids. How do you balance
2: that? Totally, I you know I want them to have more analog experiences than you know so much digital and screen time. I purposefully do not own a television in our home. Well uh, I personally, yeah, did not watch TV for many years before getting married, having kids. Uh, we did in the marital home. But um, but now I do not. I choose not to. And so if they want to watch something on my laptop, it's, you know, my permission, my timing, my programming. Um, And that's how I keep it that way. And I explain it to them because I don't want to be authoritarian. I want to explain, teach and show why the importance of this. Um, Just like why certain programs, I don't want them to watch like Cinderella, for instance, because the storyline is not empowering. It just perpetuates this um, damsel in distress, needing an external character to save you and rescue you. It's not very empowering. So I tell them from a young age when they're like, well, why can't I watch it? All my friends have. And I tell them why. Um, So with technology, it's the same thing. With anything, really, what we're teaching, we have to – Bring it to a child's vocabulary, child-appropriate language to explain and teach because they're so smart. They get it. They yeah. get it. Yeah.
1: More. Th- I have a four and five-year-old now, and you know, through through marriage, and I learn more from them than I learn from adults. It's amazing <laughs> how smart they are.
2: Really is. Yeah. You know, I
1: mean, yeah. Sometimes you have to explain things in a child, like, way. I get it. I understand that. But I am constantly blown away at what they know, what they get, how they pick up on sarcasm, or, (laughs) you know, like, it's, it's amazing. And I, I, like, I'm moving, like, in moving forward, like, it's really changed, like, how I, and I'm learning to be a parent, but everything thought about being a parent has completely changed. The way I treat them, the way I speak to them, the way you know, like I now, if they're curious about the camera and why I'm doing this and all, like I pull them up on the chair, let them get on. If they if they were here, then they would probably be on the camera right now, um, you know. But, but I explain to them media. I explain to them how the network, even if it seems like I know there's no way they know what I'm actually doing with coding, I explain it to them anyway, because mm-hmm. what if that sparks an interest?
0: Exactly. And the other thing i've
1: learned that normally i because i was like if you misbehave you raise your voice in public you laugh too loud like you're gonna get in trouble because you know we have to be proper and we're going to the country club and blah, 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 we're at church and when they sing like i, I may, may get on my nerves but like let them sing because what if that was their gift
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: one thing that i've learned and i one that through my journey if I didn't get those visions of what could be possible, I would have never pulled myself out of the hell that I was in. I would have never kept fighting. I would have given up. I would have gone through with the suicides. I would have done all of that because I, I believed in this dream. I believed that what I was seeing was possible. And I look back at this and go, how many people have no dreams? How many people have no vision? How many people think that the hell that they're sitting in right now is the best that life has for them. Mm. And a lot wonder and I always wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that somebody told them that their dreams were stupid.
2: Yep, 100%. It kills 100%. Me. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Because we're all born with a purpose. We didn't get born for no reason. I mean, to be alive on planet Earth and make it to this age, whatever age we are, is a miracle. We know that. I mean, the statistics show it, right? I mean, just like becoming a zygote was a miracle, (laughs) (laughs) right? So why then do adults become apathetic, hopeless, thinking that there's no hope, there's no vision. It is because somewhere along the line, someone dimmed them or told them they had to dim down. And that's why I'm grateful that we're talking about this because The role that we play, even if we're not a parent, there are other young people around us, or you can go and volunteer and help young people. Because Mm -hmm. if you have that mindset of success and vision and God and here to fulfill a destiny, well, then it is our honorable duty to go and impact young people's lives, to inspire them to know that that's the truth.
1: Yeah, that's good. true. Right? I talked to you. For, I'm, I'm going I, every I have every question I have for you. It will segue in for another 30, 45 minutes. And we don't have time. <laughs> the best thing to do is we got to have you back on.
2: I um, love it. I love it.
1: I I love this. And I again, it wasn't planned. Nothing's ever planned. I don't I didn't know what I wanted to talk to you about. But I just knew that I needed to talk to you. And I'm so grateful that you were here. There's so much wisdom that you shared. Um, I, I have so much respect for you, and and I, I've watched how you, you know, you carry yourself and how you are with other people. How you you have this effect on others where you make them feel like they're the only person in the room, and you make them feel special when there's hundreds of others around. Like i I've, I've always admired that about you. I've always admired your heart, and I admire you even more that you disappeared for a year and a half. To to fully fully allow yourself to heal and to step into all that God has created to be, I admire that because a lot of people wouldn't do that, and and you're one of the few coaches. I, I don't recommend coaches ever, ever, never do it because I all of my it seems like all of my friends are coaches, <laughs> so I'm like I can't. And I know too much about them to want to go, yeah, I'd recommend him. I, no. <laughs> like, no. Like, i have party with you. No. No. But I do, for the audience that's out there, I highly recommend Mary. I do. Because she she's not just talking about the work. She actually does it. And I admire that about you so much. Um, do you have anything that you want to promote? I know you have books. And when we create the media kit, when this is done, I'll send it to you. It'll have your books and stuff like that in there, Um, You know all of your links where people can find you and follow you. But please plug anything that you want to plug right now.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me today. I'm so excited that we got to do this finally. We could talk forever. I can just tell the flow. (laughs) And the mission, yeah, the mission really is because God brings us together to do our mission. And that's always my prayer, bring me the people that is aligned, that is God ordained, correct? And so here we are. What I'd like to share is that I have a masterclass called, it's a free masterclass called How to Survive a Dark Night of the Soul. Look at everyone who's survived 2020, we got some PTSD to work through. So that's what this free masterclass is about. If you, Of course you can work one-on-one with me, but I also have a group mentorship program that teaches women who are healing from toxic relationships and abuse how to have the four pillars that I teach in their life to build a, the correct foundation to build their life upon. And, of course, powerful prayer is part of it because if you don't have God, just you ain't – It's just not going to go there. It's just not going to (laughs) go to the full extent that you can. (laughs) Yeah. So that's it. Thank you, Joshua.
1: Mary, uh, you're an absolute blessing. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you. So are you. See you
1: soon. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Mary Wong, everyone. Thank you guys so much for being here. You guys have a blessed day. And we will be back tomorrow for Gratitude Unfiltered at 11 a.m. Central. God bless you. See you soon. Bye bye.